Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined today by the boys, Thacker and Matt. And today, we are talking about the newest installment from the Borderlands franchise, Tiny Tina's Wonderland. And it's a pretty solid game, I think we can all agree. I think that all three of us have played our fair share of Borderlands. We all played Borderlands 3. I know me and Thacker played a lot of that game. Uh, I've beaten it like three times, and Thacker's probably beaten it 15 times. So, (laughs) but... It's one of the few (laughs) platinums I have. (laughs) Well, we can talk about Tiny Tina. I think that if you're a Borderlands fan, I think that it goes without saying Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is right up your alley. Obviously, this is kind of a more expansive version of that DLC that dropped for Borderlands 2. I don't remember the exact name of the DLC, Thacker. What was that DLC called? Snap. Uh, I figured you would know. It was uh, Dragon... uh, Was it like... It was was like the Attack on Dragon Keep or something like that, wasn't it? Or assault, Assault on Dragon Keep. I think that's what it was. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Either way... That's what this is kind of a more expansive version yeah, was, of. Is what was it? Assault on Dragon Keep. Yeah, it was Borderlands Two. Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. Okay, okay. So we, I just missed two words there. Okay, wait, close enough. As we say in journalism, close enough. Uh, <laughs> but this is this is a much more expansive version of that, and I think again, it's safe to say if you like Borderlands, you're probably going to enjoy this. I know that I enjoyed most of what all we played. Uh, Thacker, I'll start with you since you're the bigger Borderlands fan here. Uh, what sticks out about this game compared to maybe, say, Borderlands 3? So, I think the one thing that stuck out the most on this was, even though the humor wasn't there from 3, um, just the short little, like, one-liners in the game. (laughs) In fact, Rusty, I know you and I laughed on this one for quite some time, but (laughs) thanks for saving my peasant ass. That is a that is a top five game quote of all time. <laughs> Thanks for saving my peasant ass. That is a top five quote of all time. <laughs> exactly. And yes, the humor's not there from three, but at the same time, the one-liners just kind of kept the humor coming. Mm-hmm. On top of that, Borderlands does it fantastically, but the comic strip uh, art style just looks beautiful even still on next-gen mm-hmm. consoles. Yeah, the game runs really well. I think that there's a lot you can praise there. Uh, I, I I know that people are kind of split on the Borderlands art style. I know that there are some people that say, oh, this looks like a PS2 game. And there are other people that are like, okay, well, I like that it's there. I know Woody, we obviously had him on an Elden Ring episode. He he famously has told me that uh, he thinks it looks like shit and that it hurts his eyes. So, <laughs> so we're going to hoe Woody a little bit there. I, I think the art style works here. I think, honestly, as much as I love Borderlands 3, it's hard for me to say that this game's art style wasn't better. I think this, this game's art style is better, in my opinion. I think that it captures that medieval tone really, really well. Especially when you look at like a lot of the pistols. And Matt, I know you talk, we're, we talked a lot about the combat, Matt. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I yeah. love that the pistols are like crossbows. That that was something I really liked. Yeah, there are some really cool weapons in this game that really fit the um, the setting really well. As you mentioned with the crossbows, but it also has like your very typical classic like gun styles that you you know uh, recognize from other Borderlands games. But I shamefully have to admit that this is actually the first Borderlands game I have beat, even though I own one and two 
on the Switch, thanks to a gift from Rusty. Yep. Um, and Borderlands 3 that I got on a really good sale for about 10 bucks at, <laughs> at Best Buy. <laughs> and I, I shamefully have not played these games, but after playing through Tiny Tina and beating it, um, I definitely want to go back and play through these games. Um, but I think for me personally, the appeal of Tiny Tina was the fact that, like, I like the character. Um, one of my friends has this, like, obsession with the character, like, wants to cosplay her and all that stuff. And I think she's hilarious. Um, yes. I like her over-the-top um, act, uh, like, voice acting, like, which drew, like, blew my mind when I found out that the voice actor for her was also uh, the same voice actress who played Aloy. Name is drawing a blank, but pretty sure one of you guys remember. Ashley Birch, yeah, yeah. We've talked about her a couple mm-hmm. times. And, like, I just remember, like, a couple of E3s ago when they first announced this game, like, they used, um, they used a song from the band Baby Metal, and uh, it was called, like, Gimme Chocolate, and <laughs> the song was so catchy, and it went so well with, like, what we were seeing from the gameplay and some of the cutscenes, and I was like, okay, this one I want to give a try, and I'm really glad that I did, and it, uh, I would say that this game has actually made me a Borderlands fan, whereas before that, I was just kind of, like on the edge of my seat just being like is this i need, you know i want to get that final push i want to play these games because they're fantastic i started the first one on my switch um i started the second one a little while back a couple years ago when it was a, a free game on playstation plus yeah. and i really enjoyed it um it's just unfortunately more games came out that kind of took my uh took my time away from it but yeah, the, the weapons in this game, like one addition that I love that I don't know necessarily this is in previous Borderlands games, but are the spells. That's and completely new, boy, yeah. Yeah, boy, did I go through a lot of these spells, like just trying <laughs> to find that perfect one, because in this game, you will literally pick up a very powerful like spell or weapon, gear, whatever, and then you'll literally, the next area, you'll find something even better, and that's just that constant loop that keeps going on. And I have a problem where I am a hoarder in games like this. <laughs> so I I have to keep upgrading my bag, which let me tell you is very expensive. And yep. it's a very expensive thing to do if you want to upgrade your bag all the way. I think that the last uh, count that I had, which I was on the last upgrade before I kind of stopped playing it for a while, was uh, about 8 million gold. <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot. I was just going to say, like, with that, I love the new mechanics in this like matt you touched on it beautifully mm-hmm. the spells coming in instead of being those good grenades that we got it's just a beautiful different mechanic that really ties into the settings of the game yeah i agree i think that the spells they they help to keep combat relatively fresh and i will tell you that the problem with borderlands games has never been the combat i don't think that's ever been in question for people that have played them and said they don't like them i know it's the, it's primarily been either the off-putting humor some for some people it's not mm-hmm. funny or or the art style like i mentioned before i think combat yeah. in this game is very very strong it's 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 that classic combat you know and love with that added tweak of of the of the spells and then, Thacker, I think one other thing that we need to talk about is the addition of just straight-up melee weapons. Because we've had characters in the past that we could play as that were maybe more... Zero. Well, well, Zero, Zero kind of. I was thinking more like Krieg. Like, Krieg is heavily melee built. Yeah. And, and yeah, Krieg, Krieg was. I'm trying to think. He, he might be the only one that I can think of right off the bat before this game that is primarily, like, melee-based is where they deal a lot of their damage. 
but this game adds full-on melee weapons, including, I think, two full-blown melee classes you can play. As I know the Stabomancer is one. I don't know if there's yep. another one, but that's the one that I know is the primary melee class. Thacker, what did that add to the combat for you? So that actually added a lot. So I did the Stabomancer class, and then my girlfriend did the Berserker class. That was the other which one. Which is the other melee yeah. class. And playing couch co-op with that was just incredible because where in most typical Borderlands games, it's you have those dynamic teams of one being a full-on heavy set, let's run and gun, and the other one being more of a conservative sniper. Where in this, the melee just brings a whole different aspect to it to where you don't have to worry about just having that run and gun team with a back support sniper, you can actually have a full run and gun team where you're doing more melee than you are gun damage. And it's just one of those that even the class abilities that you get with Stabomancer and Berserker, they were beautifully made to where I know we were in one game with you, Rusty, um, actually going through and taking out a later game area and I hear Matt go, what is that? <laughs> and it was my ability where with Stabomancer, you pretty much are just throwing death sites in a circle and you control where it goes. And it was one of those where it brings a whole new mechanic just for the melee alone that is beautiful and you can't turn away and be like, nah, the melee is not for me, which if that's the case, guess what? get used to it. you're gonna to have to have a little bit of melee fun in this game i think that that's a good segue into the classes in this game because i feel like that's where the customize the customizability the rpg aspects of this i feel like this game did that better than just about any other borderlands game one because you just simply put you have more options i know mm -hmm. that i played the graveborn role which is the graveborn character is more like dark magic and stealing health from enemies and adding it to your own health pool and that's what you know when you get your little companion the demi lich that's when you get you know you've got essentially i think one of my favorite abilities was for every enemy that i killed uh it would have a chance of that enemy spawning as a hydra head that would deal damage to other enemies and I could have up to four at one time. And that was actually, oh, yeah, like, that was a really cool ability. Matt, you played Spore Warden? Is that Spore what you Warden. played? Yeah, yes. I, th I thought I thought mm -hmm. you played Spore Warden. Uh, what did you think about the, the class customization and your class? Uh, so with the Spore Warden, I really liked what I was given, obviously. Um, in the upgrades, you're able to upgrade uh, the spores, like uh, health and damage. Um, a couple other things as I was given was... Um, one of my, my first special that I was given was uh, shooting off three arrows, um, but I actually stuck with the second option when I unlocked it, which was you sent out a tornado that does ice damage, um, which I looked um, in this game. I experimented a lot with like the different elements, like when I kept switching over with my spells, um, I started off mostly doing ice damage. That was my weapon. That was my ability. Uh, moved on over to like switching over to doing like lightning damage. I think I ended off on my playthrough where I shot out this, like, giant orb that, like, shot out these lines that hit enemies and drained them of their health, so it was, like, draining um, draining damage, yeah. which takes me back just to the fact that I like the how many options that you have to, like, when it comes to your, like, customizing your character. Like, they did a fantastic job with that. Like, it's really 
like Borderlands has always been an RPG, but now it's like really meta when it's an RPG within an RPG <laughs> because of the whole like D and D aspect. Because like I mean that's what um, RPGs is, is like you know role playing, and this is exactly what you're doing in this game. Um, and that's like during the whole entire game, you just got those segments where and uh, you hear a lot of the banter between Tina and the other two characters. Uh, I can't remember their names right now. Yeah. Uh, so if you can, you can fill in the blanks for me there. Um, but Spore Warden, I was glad I chose, like, being, like, the first really time, like, I'm, I'm trying to choose between these things because there's so many options. I think there's, like, a total of six of, or five of them. Uh, no, there's six of them. Um, I, I had a really hard time choosing who I wanted. I did know that I wanted a companion because I know that companions can revive you, which came in clutch a lot of the time. Um, but <laughs> the emo or, uh, irritating thing about the Spore Warden for me, and this also is like really annoying banter because he repeats it all the time. Yeah. Is the little mushroom has an attack where he releases some poison. And every time my main character's like, oh, what am I feeding you? Am I supposed to be feeding you? It's like, okay, calm down, Shrek. <laughs> Sorry, Michael Myers, Shrek. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, I will tell you, I had that issue with my character as well. I can't remember any specific lines, but I know for a fact that I heard at least one or two lines probably 50 or 60 times. I swear to God. Over the course of my whole playthrough. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the two characters that joined Tina, obviously you're talking about Valentine mm -hmm. and Fret, uh, that yes. are played by uh, Andy Samberg and Wanda Sykes. And yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a good spot to kind of transition into, like, Maybe some things that need to be discussed with Borderlands because yeah. I, I, I'm with. I think all three of us agree that Tiny Tina, uh, as far as Borderlands character goes, is is an iconic character in Borderlands. Every I don't know anybody who loves Borderlands that hates Tiny Tina, and if you do, yeah. that's really weird. <laughs> so if you do, you need to redirect that towards Claptrap. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Claptrap <laughs> is adored, and you will get off his ass as well. What the fuck? His ass, Lord Claptrap. His ass should not have made a reappearance in this game. I said it, and I will stick to it. Well, you're wrong. You're allowed to have an opinion, but it's wrong. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, I gotta be honest. I think that these two new characters, while I get why they added two characters in... To where it's not just you, you the playable character, and Tiny Tina. There's a part of me that wishes that they had just gone with maybe like Brick and Mordecai. Because I thought Valentine and Fret were annoying as hell. I thought they were. And it's I not agree. it's not a shot at Andy Samberg. And it's not a shot at Wanda Sykes. I think they, they both did about as good a job as they could have done. Uh, I thought their characters were incredibly annoying. And... That kind of gets me into one of my biggest gripes with this game. Because if you ask me how I feel about this game, I really like this game. Uh, I'm not in love with this game. I think yeah. that if I had to give this game a score, it's probably about a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, and for multiple reasons. The, the first thing is that, and we've mentioned the humor and how it's off-putting. This is the first Borderlands game for me where the humor just didn't really land all that much. Uh, thank you for saving my peasant ass is an all-time line. <laughs> but that's in like the first 30 minutes of the game. And the problem is I couldn't really tell you anything else that I found funny for the rest of the game. Because a lot of the jokes just didn't work for me. Um, in fact, I know there's one there, there there's one joke that, that happens over and over and over. And uh, I can't think of the the lady's name, but she's one of those uh, serpent sisters or whatever. Oh, yeah. That mm -hmm. 
you know, you go deep into the ocean after you blow after you nuke it. Yes, you heard that right. But, <laughs> but I know that that's that's just everyone, everyone listening is like, oh, circle back to that real quick. <laughs> but uh, you know, you go and you talk to her deep into the ocean, and she's supposed to help you with something. And the entire time, Valentine and Fred are both just like. You know, we don't trust her. We don't like her. She's up to no good. She's going to betray us. And Tina just keeps on with this, no, 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 She's she, she wants to help you guys. I really just want you to like her and all that. And it just, it persists for like an hour straight. Yeah, and at some point, happy. at some point, I yelled at the screen, shut the hell up. I do not <laughs> care about her. Shut up. Let's finish this mission and move on. And then... You know, the joke is supposed to be because Tiny Tina apparently hates the word skin, and yep. she yep. says she says the next person that says skin is uh, is going is going to you know, spontaneously combust, and then this character randomly says something like "Thank you for making me feel comfortable in my own skin," and everyone's like, "Oh, she said the yes word," and it's like, I just was like, this didn't land at all. Like, it did not. And then and then because she gets all pissy. About her favorite character being killed, she she makes you go through this like four phase boss fight that is stupid as hell, and and, and I get it. It's like it's it, that's like that D and D aspect of this, and I know Thacker is like the one here that's got the most D and D experience. I've played it once or twice. Matt's played it a couple times, and I get that that's like that one about to be twice, and, and that's the and that's you know the whole the whole idea of like you know a dungeon master is. That you control the game ultimately. If you want to throw the game into chaos, you can. It's up to you. And that's what she does there. She throws the game into chaos. But none of that humor worked for me. And again, I said this is the first Borderlands game to make me feel this way. This is also the first Borderlands for me where Borderlands is kind of starting to get a little stale. And for some people, that was Borderlands 3. For others, it might have been the pre sequel. Uh, but. This, for me, is the first example of Borderlands becoming stale. And I hope, if and when we get another Borderlands game, I hope that they're able to change up the formula a little bit to maybe freshen it up and make it to where it doesn't just feel like the same thing. Because as much as I like the medieval tone of this and as much as I like the D&D aspects of this... That alone is not enough for me to say, okay, this is more than just a normal Borderlands game, because it, it, it really isn't at a certain point. So that's just my take on this. Uh, Thacker, what were what were any issues you had with this game? Issues-wise, um, and I touched up on this earlier. Um, girlfriend and I, Tabby, we, we love Borderlands. It's something we have always enjoyed and something that is ultimately what brought us together. But with that, Borderlands has always had that great couch co-op. Yep. I And this was one of them where I personally felt like the couch, couch co-op kind of slacked in it where we've had before. If you're not playing this on a super big TV, and I'm not talking like bigger than 50 inches, because I'm sure 50 inch is perfectly fine for it, but anything smaller than that, you're having a harder time being able to play. I've got a 55-inch in the bedroom and my small little 43-inch in the living room. I have yeah. it hooked up to the 43-inch. Why? Because, well, I like the game too much. Um, <laughs> you know what? The first step, 
in, in solving a problem is admitting you have one. So I'm proud of us today. <laughs> as, as we have all heard in our parties and everything of Matt or myself getting yelled out by Tabby because we're loud at night, that's fair. At night, it's time that we should be going to sleep, but we don't because we're gamers. Because yeah. We're idiot guys. But <laughs> needless to say, um, if you're on a smaller TV, that couch co-op is severely suffering because you're just you're not able to see everything you need to so when you're looking at a weapon to see if you want to switch it out there's no telling if you're switching out for a better one or something even worse so that's one thing that really stuck out to me that suffered um i think the only other thing is the levels like the level system in this Oh, like leveling um, up? Yeah, the leveling up. Like, when you're going against an area where the level cap is, like, supposed to be 14, I experienced this, Rusty, after we uh, got done helping you with it. Yeah. Um, I went back to my game, and where I should have been overleveled for these, like, mid-game areas, the enemies, like, jumped in levels to the point where they were still two, three levels ahead of me to where it good challenge. Borderland has done it several times, but it still was like, if you're going by the D and D aspect of this, it should be fair. Yeah. It should be a little bit more fair. Like one or two levels is fine, but three, four, five levels. That was a little ridiculous. Even on my end. No, I agree. I feel that. I, I, I feel that for sure. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up the leveling. That, that to me, was an issue. I didn't like how everywhere I went, it was like, oh, you know, you're about to encounter enemies at minimum that are this level. And it's like, I know that this is open world and that there are side missions, but the side missions aren't giving me enough XP to, like, level up that much. Like, I say that as somebody that, yeah, I probably focused more on the main story than anybody anything else, but... Dude, early on, like, the first, like, open area you get to, I did almost all of the side content. And I felt like I got maybe two levels out of that. And as you get later on, when you're a higher level, you're not getting as much experience. So, I don't... I feel like the leveling system was pretty lackluster in this game. Uh, Matt, what about you? What were some... Uh, what was your biggest issue in this game? Actually, I had several issues. Uh, the first one that I had is... Um... During some mainline quests, uh, this happened about once or twice, but just the fact that it happened at all is just really frustrating. Um, I was doing the quest, and I had to beat this boss, this giant uh, like uh, skeleton uh, who had like ice powers, and you're supposed to kill him and collect his heart. Well, I managed to kill him perfectly fine, but his part, uh, the part that I needed for the quest, actually, when the enemy died, the heart that I needed fell through the map. And uh, <laughs> I, I could see where it was. The little um, icon popped up, and no matter how many times I went over to it, looked at it, tried to, I, I could not pick it up. Like, the prompt never, like, popped up. It took me about 15 to 20 minutes to pick this item up because I got stuck at that point where I could exit the game and come back, but it's going to spawn me directly at that point where I killed the boss because it does a quick save right after you kill a boss. Yeah. But so after about 15, 20 minutes of doing so, I crouched and I went over into this little this little uh, cove or whatever, 
and I finally managed to pick it up by uh, getting my cursor pointing directly at it. And another thing that happened to me throughout this game during some quests is when I do uh, I traveled. Sometimes it didn't do anything. The screen would just stay black, and I had to turn off the game and restart it. That probably happened about five or six times during my playthrough, which was about 17, 18 hours. So like I said, it's little minimal things that didn't necessarily detract from my enjoyment of the game, but it is a blemish, and it should be called out. Yeah, it's it's those little things that you don't forget. It's those mistakes that a game makes that you don't forget. It's really, it's one of those where it's like, remember when we, when we reviewed Horizon Forbidden West, I said there was two or three times over the course of mm -hmm. a 20-hour playthrough where the frame rate just dipped into the teens and never recovered until I restarted the game. Sure, that only happened three times over a course of 20 hours, but it happened. And when it happened, it was very noticeable and it wasn't good. So it's one of those things that... I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, you're just nitpicking, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, we're really not, though, because if that happened in a game I loved, like if that happened in, like, Last of Us, I'd be very unhappy. I would not, I would not be happy with that. So uh, the one thing I do want to touch on that I thought outside of what Thacker said, outside of the leveling, um, I thought that the difficulty in this game, for the most part, was pretty fair. Outside yeah, of the leveling, where it seemed like every time you thought you were getting caught up, the game scales the enemies up a little bit higher. I, I, I don't think people, like, think about this. Think about it like this. I fully believe, and this may be a hot take, I think that Borderlands 2 um, is one of the hardest games of all time. Yeah. I, I genuinely believe that. Like, and as somebody who I know that, like, we again, we just got done talking about Elden Ring, which is, a you know, no a game known for being hard. I think Borderlands 2 is a very, very difficult game. And I think for the most part, this game retained a lot of that difficulty. I think Borderlands 3 had some moments that were really, really challenging. But this game really brought back a lot of those challenges. And as a person who... I, I A game doesn't have to be like stupid hard for me to enjoy it. I, I enjoy, though, thinking that there's a little bit of a challenge in certain spots. I mean, I think about the last boss of this game. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. Please. That <laughs> that was a uh, that was a boss right there. That was that was a challenge. And uh, yeah. if there's if there's one thing I could do differently in this game, and I would do this, make this change in Borderlands. Period. If you're playing co-op and all and all you and all your co-op players die out at the same time, the boss should not get all their health back. Agreed. That they, they should not get all their health back. I don't think that is fair at all. Um. I think that, you know, give them their shield back, sure. But giving them all of their health back with it, like, let's say you get a boss down to, like, no health, and he just, like, one-shots all of you. Well, give them a shield back. Give them the shield back, sure. But once you take that shield down, you shouldn't have to take down their full health bar again. And I think that that's one thing I would like to see Borderlands do differently moving forward. Now... We just spent probably about 13 minutes discussing things we didn't like about the game. And I know that probably sounds like we ragged on the game pretty hard. There is one aspect of this game that I think all three of us can rave about. And it is a really good welcome change to how a game does an open world. And again, this is a little bit of that D&D aspect of it. I really enjoyed the overworld in this game. I thought the overworld was really well done. Thacker, yeah. Thacker what did you think about it? Because, you know, I know that, again, for some people this might work. For some people it might not. But I really felt like it worked as an overall mechanic. Yeah, and I, I, one of these days, Rusty, I want to I want to hear exactly why you think Borderlands Two 
is the hardest Borderlands game. One of these days, I want to hear this because. Well, I can tell you right now, it's because I feel like some of the bosses are insanely challenging, and it's because of their health and because of how much damage they put out. Like, if it wasn't for that glitch that you can do on the on the um, on the vault at the end of the game, I can't remember what the what the name of the boss is exactly, where you can just stand kind of under that ledge and it can never hit you. If it yep. wasn't if it wasn't for that. That would be one of the hardest boss fights of all time. Yep. Okay. That's just, that's just why they, and we can talk more about it after we get done recording. But the, I, I do legitimately believe that Borderlands 2 is a very, very difficult game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but not like as as someone who plays D&D and is currently even working on a D&D campaign for some of my players, Matt included, um, I absolutely love how the overworld looked you got so much freedom with it that not only were you able to go through and revisit areas like you could in actual D, but you also have these areas where you have random encounters and that was something that i absolutely love because matt just for a heads up spoilers for you be ready for some random encounters um, <laughs> because I absolutely love the aspect there now with that this is one game that actually gives you the option of doing these random encounters or you can bypass them by using your character to knock the shit out of them one time throw a punch yep <laughs> and with that like i love that aspect the overworld just looks fantastic i love how it kind of plays off the D side but you also get the kookiness of Borderlands with Tiny Tina's adaptation of it because you get these random Cheeto puffs in the middle of the area blocking you. You get bottle caps with, um, oh, what were their bunny, her bunny's names? I know, I, I know, I know what you're talking about. The bombs. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of the names right off the bat, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, it's it's just one of those where I absolutely love the little Easter eggs like that where you can actually um, have these fun little things that brings the world together. Even the little side missions to progress into further into the overworld were absolutely great. And, again, from, from a and d aspect, that was just absolutely beautiful, and I... I would like to see more of the overworld from this game. Probably take a look into it and other games. Yeah, I think that this is certainly something I think we can, we'll see again in other games. I think this is going to be something that other games maybe get inspired by just because, and I said this, and Matt, I don't know if Matt was in the party with me when I said this, but early on in the game I was like, I bet you at some point there's going to be this whole thing about there being like a chip or something left on the board. And sure enough, <laughs> there's a cheese puff. Sure, yeah, I sure. I don't remember the bunnies' names. Oh, what were they? Um, it was Mushy Snuggle Bites <laughs> and Felicia Sexo Pants. Oh my gosh, I'm uncomfortable. These names in this game are, are just ridiculous. Like, yeah, <laughs> I will say, and 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 Matt. I'll let you kind of help out with this last point before we before we okay. say goodbye. Um, I do think the side missions in this game were fun, despite yeah. the lack of XP. I know my first personal favorite was 
kind of that Jack and the Beanstalk inspired level. Loved that. One. I, I thought, Lord, I, I thought, it. I thought that was awesome. I was like, that was a lot of fun, and the verticality, like it's one of those where Borderlands has never really talked about, has never combat has never been about verticality, but this one really had again that sense of that size and that scope that maybe other games haven't had as much as I mean maybe in the pre sequel with the the lack of gravity in space. Um, yeah. But I feel like that that was really really cool. I really enjoyed that mission. What what did you think of the side missions, Matt? Uh, there was a couple standout ones actually. Um, there was one um, where you're in the uh, the forest and uh, you come across the these groups of sinkers. You have one uh, two groups on each side. Uh, there's like this one that's just like super like edgy dark and just like kind of occult whatever, and um you get to this where you have to collect these items for them and eventually you do and then they basically are using their music to summon a demon and then like you know during that whole process a bunch of skeletons start coming up and then attacking and then kill them and then the demon comes and basically wipes out every single member of the band or whatever and you're just kind of like well that was it <laughs> it was just really humorous there a couple of other ones that I really liked is um, one where you're in like the the more pirate world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come, across, you come across a character who's basically he's innocent, and you're trying to prove his innocence, and um, you're basically looking for clues for uh, to take it to like this kind of this court uh, session for him. And then, you know, they're not really listening to you regardless that you have this proof or not. And then you just start gunning them down. Like I said, there's like there's a lot of ones that stick out. But there's also a lot of side missions that kind of just uh, repeat themselves when it just kind of comes to like collecting a bunch of different items on, around on the map. And um, like, for instance, you run into a character who calls himself the Tooth Fairy. And <laughs> um, you start off by just uh, he summons like skeletons and you kill them. You collect five teeth and he's like... Yeah, you know what? No, this isn't enough teeth. Do keep doing that, and then eventually gets a point where you collect fifty teeth, and I'm just like, make it end, please. <laughs> make this stop. They did a great. No, they did a really good job um, melding side quests into like the uh, the overworld, like the one that you mentioned earlier with the beanstalk. I like the fact that in the overworld you come across this little bean or whatever. He's like, hey, put me in a place or whatever like that, and you know you yep. grab him. And you walk around the map and you find where he goes. And the next thing you know, you just probably killed several hundred people. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a really cool area of the game. And I would love to see where, like, you know, areas like that get opened up by quests that are done on the overworld. Like, I think that that worked really well. And I I would like to see more of that, just like how in the main story where you, uh, you blow up the ocean (laughs) <laughs> and you have that access to the deep, the the ocean floor, and yep. like things like that, just ever changing over like overworlds are something that I like. I want to see more of. Yep, I agree. I think that there's a oh, lot yeah. of things this game does well, and I think that for me as a Borderlands fan, what it comes down to at is. I just want to see them try a few new things instead of just rely on the same formula. It feels like they've relied on for going on five games now, five mainline games now. Um, Thacker, do you have anything else you want to add before we before we go and we say goodnight? Um, just a few things. One thing, Matt, the Jack and the Beanstalk uh, side mission and everything. Did you know if you actually feed the dragon in that area, it gives you a dragon scale? And it does, yeah. Yeah, you're able to do that with actually quite a few dragons. And I haven't tested it, but... 
supposedly it's rumored that those are supposed to be used in DLC. Okay. I was wondering about that because when I got that item, I, I was like, can I sell this? <laughs> Don't sell it. Don't sell it because, like I said, it's rumored to be part of DLC. Um, the other thing that I have to add to this game is just Borderlands does it beautifully. I've, I've said it before. The comic graphics or art style of the game is just absolutely beautiful. Um, for those that it hurts your head, <clears throat> Woody, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but the it's one of those where you don't see that art style in games that often anymore, if at all. Um, graphically, the game runs smooth. I don't. I can't speak for you two. I never experienced any frame rate drops or anything like that in this game. Yeah, I thought it was good. But it's it's a beautiful game, and I definitely can't wait to see what kind of DLCs we're getting. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that this is a really really good game. I think if you're a Borderlands fan, this is a must. This is a must play. Um, and I think this is a good place to start for you if maybe Borderlands hasn't been for you. This is vastly different than, you know, Borderlands 1, 2, 3, or the pre-sequel. This is vastly different as far as, like, the tone and everything of it. It, yep. it does it does feel different in that aspect. The gameplay and everything might feel a little bit samey. That's where I wish I'd see a little bit different. The humor will feel samey. But other than that, this is a very, very quality game. I don't know where it'll be ultimately. We always talk about games whenever we look at, like, our top ten list at the end of the year. Don't know where this game will come in. It might make my top ten list, but we still have a lot of games that are coming out, including a few others you're going to hear about, hear us talk about very, very soon. But that is going to do it for us on this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow all three of us, as well as Kyle now. He somehow got access back to Twitter. Not sure how that happened. Wow. Miracles do happen. I really, miracles, when people say that God's not real, that is what I will point to and say, yes, he is. So that is, that is going to do it for us. For Matt Thacker, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.